We're going to jump right in. I'm excited about what uh, we're going to be looking at in God's Word this morning as we kick off a new series. It's been said, I think a lot of us have experienced this, that there are two kinds of people in the world, cat people and dog people. Okay, I got some dog fans here. And some of you, I, have it, I bet some of you have heard of cat theology and dog theology. You, you heard this? So if you're a, a dog, you see that your owner is feeding you. He's grooming you. He's spending time with you, going on walks, caring for you. And you go, wow, that must be God. <laughs> if you're a cat... You see that your owner feeds you, takes care of your litter, grooms you, spends time around you, and you go, oh, I must be God. <laughs> and, you know, we're talking about false identities today, and we're really looking at many of the false identities that we take on, and replacing those with the true identities that God has for us. And as we, as we go through this month, we're going to be looking at a lot of the great identities that God gives us. Things like going from unworthy to worthy. Going from being rejected to being affirmed. I'm not looking at this side for all the bad stuff and this side for all the good stuff. That's just kind of, <laughs> doesn't mean anything. Um, things from, you know, going from being poor to being rich in Christ. From not having a purpose to having a purpose. From being independent to being part of a family. We're going to be looking at some of the, the real identity that God gives us. But the, today, we're, we're starting at the very foundation because if we, this is, and I wasn't really planning to go here as, as I was, it often happens as I'm preparing a message. I think, okay, this is what's going to happen. But as I start praying and getting into the, the Bible, it's like, oh, there's a whole other, like, I think God wants us to focus on something else this week. And so that's kind of what happened this week. And it's really, this is foundational to, to everything else because we, the, false, the falsest identity that we all try to take on is trying to be God. And if we get that one wrong, then everything else is in a bad place. And all the like, nice like, identity stuff that we hear, it's kind of like, oh, you're a princess. You know, it's just, it's like, it's, we miss out on the real essence of it if we don't start out in the right place. And so, uh, we're going to be looking at this, but I, I'm trusting that you'll know, you may think like, wow, this may sound like, kind of heavy, but I, I really believe God wants it to be uplifting, something that brings freedom for us today. So let's just pray before we, we dive in more. Lord, help us. Thank you that you, uh, you are God. You are, you are the center of everything. I'm trusting this morning you're going to help us to reframe our, our thinking and to, to be, to center you like never before and to live out of that with the true identity you've given us. Thank you. Amen. The first, uh, the, the first temptation in the garden when the serpent came to, to Adam and Eve, implicit in the temptation we read in Genesis 3-5, he said, hey, if you eat of this fruit that God told you not to eat, the one restriction that he gave you, when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. That is the fundamental core lie behind all deception. That, hey, you can not be under God or serving God, you can become God. Now, ironically, we've talked about this. They actually were already like God. They were already made in God's image. But the temptation is, hey, not just to be made in God's image, but to take God's place, to be the center of existence. 
And ever since this, this, is, this has been the fundamental trap that we all are prone to falling into. Um, there's a, a ministry I got some training through years ago called Victorious Christian Living, and they, they have this discipleship material, and they do a great job of framing this idea, calling it Godship. And they say Godship is seeking to be God in one's own life or in the life of another person. Godship is the primary problem in the lives of people. Everyone wants to be God, but won't admit it. It's very true. You know, and if you think about that, it's, it's like one thing when I'm trying to be God, but when Clay's also trying to be God, and Brody's trying to be God, and we're in, interacting with each other, man, that creates some interesting dynamics. No wonder we have such a hard time getting along, and relationships are so hard, because that's, that's so much a thing. Um, the title for today is, It's Hard to Be God. It's, it's hard to be God. We try to be God, but it's, it's actually a pretty tough job description. It's a pretty tough identity to carry out. And so, you know, we're, it's good to just recognize, you know, that's not the calling. That's not really our true identity. There's a better identity that God has for us. Um, how do we know when we're trying to be God? I know it plays out in a lot of ways. For me, one of the clearest ways is when I get frustrated. When it's like, man, life isn't going the way I want it. Which, yesterday was one of those days. It was just started off like, man, things weren't, weren't working out very well. It was frustrating. And that can be an indicator that I'm in a place of Godship, of trying to control things, trying to make everything work out the way, the way I want it to. Um, oftentimes, I can get over busy. And again, it's like thinking that I'm God, thinking that I can control things and, and not, not handing things to Him or trusting other people but taking too much on myself. There's a great checklist here. This comes from, from our friends at Victorious Christian Living. Um, where, where we, where it, things that we do where we are identifying as God. Go through this. See, uh, you know, this is meant, I told you, this is hopefully, we're wanting to be uplifting today, so don't get too down. We're not going to end here, but we just see, where do you see yourself in any of these characteristics? Determine, identifying as God, determining standards of conduct for myself, others, and God. Now, so often when I'm talking to people and there's an issue of disagreement or tension, it comes down to, well, you did this, you shouldn't have done that. And the question is, well, where did you determine that standard, that that is not the way that that should happen? But we, we, did, we, we make up standards of what should happen what people should do, what, how people should treat us, for ourselves, for others, and for God. Even like, God, how did you do that to me? Aren't you supposed to just like make my life comfortable and fun all the time? Like, you're not, my life is hard right now, God. That's, that's a standard that we put on. So we, we make, determine standards of conduct for ourselves, others, and God. Then we demand absolute obedience to those standards. Hey, you didn't follow my standard. And we can do that for ourselves. Even perfectionism is a way of doing that, where it's like, hey, I have to live like this. And then if I'm not living up to this certain standard, then, then you know, we're not okay with that. And that may be evidence of, of Godship. We judge God, others, in our life, attitudes, and actions by those standards. Kind of been talking about that. Another way we do this is by seeking revenge or holding grudges, or having unforgiveness. This is where, where places where we are identifying as God, like we have a right to these things. Um, we endeavor to control circumstances and people. Oh man, here we go. Oh me or oh my. 
We exercise sovereign independence doing whatever I please. So we go through life. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm making decisions without considering, God, what are you saying? What's your will? But just making decisions according to what I want to do, what I, what I please. We seek, this is a big one, praise, approval, and acceptance from others and not from God. Man, so, so deep in us. We're, we're so prone to looking for the acceptance of other people, the praise of other people, the approval of other people, instead of looking to God for those things. And oftentimes we ask no help or guidance from anyone, not even God. It's because I'm God. You know, I, I don't need to get help from other people. It can seem noble, but it's actually Godship. So take a second. Think about your neighbor's life now. Think about your life. <laughs> Man, where do you see tendencies or more towards Godship in your life? It's interesting. If you want to, you can tell your neighbor. Um, but... Yeah, it's, it's good to see, like, wow, I, 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 this is me. What's interesting is that these are all things that God, being God, has a right to, and he does. We go through these same, the same thing, basically the same list. God determines standards of conduct for mankind. He's the one who says, this is how people are supposed to live. This is what's expected. God expects absolute obedience to those standards. He upholds us accountable to his expectations. He judge, he's the one who judges the lives and the actions and the attitudes of people. Because he's God. God takes vengeance. It's appropriate for God, not for us. God controls all of life. He exercises sovereign independence, doing whatever he pleases. He seeks the praise, worship, and acceptance of mankind. It's appropriate. He's God. And he asks help and guidance from no one. So those are, that's what God does. So with that in mind, we're going to look at Luke chapter 17 and look at coming into this attitude and what it looks like. So Luke 17, starting in verse 5, we're going to read verses 5 through 10. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. What Jesus is about to say after this, it takes faith. Okay, it was a response to, G, to the disciples saying, hey, Lord, what you're telling us is challenging. Increase our faith. And so to live this way, to live with God being God, it takes faith. It's not something that we can just like, do in our own willpower. Like, I'm going to try hard. I'm going like, to make this happen. I'm going I'm to let you have your role and me have my right identity. No, it's, it's going to take faith to release something and to entrust something to God. When we see that faith, as we, we talk about quite a bit here, but faith is its trust in God, and it's also believing loyalty towards God. It's like when you're faithful to a person. It's increase our faith. This is all included in faith. So it's believing loyalty. Increase our believing loyalty, the disciples were saying. This is something that, that God, we need God to help us with. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So, you know, he's like, hey, okay, this is, that's a good question. 
And if you have just a little bit of faith, just like, you know, I don't know, what's close by? One cell phone worth of faith, like, then you can tell this hotel to move over there. You know, like, this is, if you can get this, like, if you can like get this, then this is, you're going to have real authority in your life. And so then he goes on, and he says a story that is like the last story that you would expect to hear, probably, that I would expect to hear, and it's one I've never heard anyone preach about before in my life. And so this is going to be the best message you've ever heard on this passage, because nobody ever preaches about it. So low, low standard here. But Jesus, he tends to go places we don't expect him to go. And so his next thing he says, I mean, this is how, this is like faith. Will any one of you, who has a servant, plowing or keeping sheep, say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table. Okay, so he's telling this story, and the setup is, hey, there's a master and there's a servant, and the meaning is God is the master, and you all are the servants. Okay, so here's the, the new identity. Not God, but a servant of God. That's the identity we're talking about today. Not trying to be God, but becoming a servant of God. Now, servant, like, we like, whoa, like, there's not a, you know, it's something our, our whole cultures are, is like, kind of trying to eradicate the idea. Like, we're so egalitarian, you know, like, we don't like the idea of some people serving others. And obviously, there's a lot of baggage, and obviously, we have a lot of history in America of, of racist slavery that was a very unjust, um, evil, separating or judging, putting people in one class based on their, their skin color or their origin from another person. So we're not talking about that, but there is a, in this, but the idea of servant, and really this, in different translations, it could be translated slave. And in the Roman world, in the Hebrew world, there, it was very much a part of, of the world, that there were servants, there were slaves. Um, it was, we're going to talk a little bit more about this, that maybe it's not so distant from our experience as we think it is. But there was, there was this, this idea of being a servant that's Jesus saying, hey, that's how you should see yourself, as servants. And so is, is the master going to say, hey, when you come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather, you can, and it, like we kind of missed this, cause, but the, the audience would have been like laughing. That would have been so ridiculous that, that the master would tell the servant, oh, hey, like, um, yeah, you know, just sit down. Just, just have a meal now. Like, no, because that's, that's not what a servant does. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterward, you will eat and drink. You know, it's, it's like he, Jesus is saying, hey, does the... It's like he's saying, is the servant going to say, hey, you know, um, I already did my 20 hours this week. I've got some me time now. All right, and I just, sir, just, I, I've just been thinking about this. I need some more me time. You know, this, I, I, I've been, I read that somewhere. I need some more, some more me time. You know, or, you know what, sir? I, I, I know I've, I, I, I already worked some today. I've got this new hobby. I, I just need to spend some time on my hobby right now. Um, you know, I heard over at Starbucks, they're, they're unionizing. You know, I, we're gonna, I think we should do that in, this, in our household. We're, we're, we're starting the union here. No, I mean, it's just, like, that's not, that, like, that's the type of stuff. Um, you know, I've, it, it just doesn't fit what's going on here. Um, does he think that, so, 
Let me read that again. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterward, you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you've done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Wow. Not typical American culture story here, right? This is not like not many shows on Netflix are like extolling the virtues of this story right now. Bottom line of the story, God has a problem. He thinks he's God. You have a problem. You think you're God. But God is God. And our dignified role, our high calling, is as servants. Not just servants, but servants of God, which is a very high calling. The, you know, it's, it seems offensive to us, but it's actually uplifting when we get to what God is really doing and who he is. Because it's, it's not about us, but it's about who he is. When we see who God is, then we realize that being a servant of God is so noble and so appropriate because the universe is about him, not us. How, um, how could be... All right, I'm just going to stop there for a minute and ask. Just one or two people. Reactions so far to this topic. What, is, what, is this, what, what does this bring up in your mind? What thoughts or questions? It's my excuse to take a drink. Anybody? Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, we'll see if we get there. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's a lot of this. Is when you see people who live this way, they're the most free people you know. Like, they're the, like so much of our, like, i got to have a purpose. It's about us, like, having this great life. And it's hard being God. Like, it's hard to live with that, but when it's, you give that up. And that's some of the faith. It's like, hey, God, I give that up. You're God, and my purpose is to serve you. And I find freedom and just like, ah, I'm just today living for you. And that's very free. Good. Kristen, yeah. Well, I think too for me, like, when we say we are unworthy servants, we have only done what was our duty, my initial reaction is to take that as like, I've only, I'm an anointed servant, I've only done. But when I looked at it a second time, I thought, okay, that gives me a lot of grace when I deal with other people to not judge them for how they're serving God and for how they're called to act. I don't, I, I should not be saying, servant should look different than it is. Um, and and I, it frees me up, too, to not feel like I have to judge my service by those earthly motivations. 
I don't have to wear certain things. I don't have to, you know, give until I have nothing left to give to my family. Those sorts of things. I have to do what God commands me to do, not mm-hmm. what I think other people would want my service to look like. And so it's a very freeing statement in that regard. Right. Yeah. It's it's simple. Yeah. It's like okay, you're the ma- you're the master. I do it for you. Yeah. Great. Good. Well, I want to look at, um, you know, just breaking this down a little bit more. I mean, this, I think that was enough. We could walk home now and just ponder that, and that would be good. Um, so, but we'll, we'll, take, we're, we'll take a little bit more time and look at just how does this reality, although it's naturally offensive to us, how does it lift us up? Um, I think the first, how could being a servant be honoring? And the first thing to see in that is that why being a servant of God is freeing and honoring is that the reality is it's not a matter of if you're going to serve, it's a question of what you're going to serve. Everybody, as much as we think we're free and independent, we're all serving somebody. We're all serving something. We are inherently, in, as people, as imagers, we're, we're either going to serve God or we're going to serve something else. And Bob Dylan sang about that, and I think he was inspired by Jesus. He said, hey, you're going to serve somebody. It may be the devil, and I can't do it in Bob Dylan's voice, so I'm not going to try. But, you know, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. And so, you've got to serve. It's, it's, not, it's not if, it's who. It's funny, this week, there's, it, it came out, Twitter, you know, new ownership with, with Twitter, and they're talking about that at least some users are going to be paid, char- paid have charged like 5 or $8 a month to have their Twitter account. And people are in uproar, like, oh, how can that be? But in some of the discussion, it comes out, well, anything that a company is offering you for free, it's not really free. If it's free, that means you're not the customer, you're the product. So that means someone else is paying them to get access to you. And so we are, like, there, there's, there are places where we are serving somebody. We are serving something all throughout, very much in our society, without oftentimes being aware of it, but it very much being true. Uh, the Proverbs, it says that the borrower is slave to the lender. How many of you know there's a lot of slavery going on in the world today? Just look at that. Like, they, when we borrow money, then we are servants or slaves of the ones that we have borrowed money from. And so there's, it's not a question of are we going to serve, are we going to be slaves, it's a question of who are we going to be serving. Um, Jesus said you're slaves of the one you obey. You're either slaves of sin or you're slaves of God. So p- being a slave of God sounds pretty good when you realize who, what he's like and you know what sin does to us. And that kind of leads to the next thing is that um, Jesus is a good Lord. He's a good king. He's a good master. And so, it's, you know, the, in a health, you know, like, man, that's my king. I'm happy to be a servant, a subject of this, of this ruler, of this king. There was, in the Old Testament, it's interesting, there were laws involving servants and slaves. And a Hebrew could only, if you, they Normally, they, if they had another Hebrew as their slave, that was limited to six years. And then they would have, be, have to be freed. And that would usually be because of like, economic issues 
where they just weren't able to be on their own. They could come and come under someone else and have their needs provided for and hopefully some apprenticeship and life training and life skills so they could then get out on their own. But there would be times where it's, it's, there's provision for this in the Old Testament law, where a servant would love their master so much and their family would love their master so much that they would come to the end of that six years and they would say, you know what? We just, we don't want it. We want to keep being your servants. Like, this is a good household. You are a good master. We want to pledge, I want to pledge my life, our family, we want to stay in this household. And so there would be a way that they could, they could, they could get a mark on their, like an earring, and, or a mark, and they would, they would belong, they would, it would be a long-term thing, where they would choose to be bond servants, to be slaves in that household. And that was because the master was so good, and that's explicitly what's said. And so that's what it is like for us, when you realize how good God is. It's like, man, oh, man, I, you are the one. I want to serve you. I, I want to live my life for you. The more you see Jesus, you know, I mean, and it's, we're going to get into this more in the week, in, as we go, but as Jesus takes his servants and he always elevates them. Jesus said, hey, I, you are servants, but I don't call you servants. I call you sons. He, you need to understand that you are a servant, but that's not the end all be all. Like that is the beginning. That's the foundation of me bringing you into so much more. And Jesus demonstrates this in his own life, in that he became a servant of all. We read this in the you know, well-known passage in Philippians chapter 2. Let's just read it here. Philippians 2, 4 through 8. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Don't try to be God. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, even though he had every right to. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He took the form of a servant. So our master takes the very form of what he's calling us, the way he's calling us to live. That's good leadership, not asking people to do what you're not willing to do yourself. Although God would have every right to make an exception to that leadership because he's God. But he doesn't. He's, he, he lives the same way towards us, ultimately by giving his life. And so, being a servant, it's, we're going to serve something. Jesus is a good king. And also, there's just something so powerful. You've probably heard the phrase of like, hey, you need to live for something bigger than yourself. There's something powerful in living for something or someone bigger than yourself. If all we're living for is ourself, that is a small life. That is really so minuscule. That is really not that much, and we put so much energy and focus on it. But when we see, wow, I can live for God. I, my life can be about him, his kingdom. That adds value to our life. It's, it's so powerful. There's um, probably one of the most inspirational presidents America's ever had was John F. Kennedy. And Similarly, one of the most famous lines he ever said was when he, in a speech, he said, hey, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And there's something in that that like, oh yeah, that's, wow, that calls me up to like living 
the kind of life that in my heart I really want to live. I want to live for something bigger than just my own life. I want to live for my country. I want to live really for God's kingdom. That's what we were made for. Um, narcissism, though, always drags us down. But serving something bigger lifts us up. It's wild how, you know, this, it's interesting just how this language is all woven through the Bible so much. That, you know, we, in the Old Testament, the people are called servants of the Lord over and over again. Um, Jesus is a servant. We see in the New Testament there, the leadership, you know, there's this idea, and we, have, we like to say, hey, every member a minister. You know, we believe that the church is a place, not just for a couple people to be ministers, but every believer is a ministry. Every believer has a ministry. Like, this, this is something where it involves all of us. And, but it's interesting, the word ministry in the New Testament is the same word as service. The word minister is the same word as servant. So it's just like ministry, minister, servant, it's like interwoven. Like, this is what we're called to be and do is, is servants. The leadership roles in the church are elders and deacons. And deacon, it's, it's a word for servant. It's literally just another word for, for servant. It, literally, it actually literally means like one who stirs up dust. Like basically they're getting after it so hard in their service that they're, they're like pig pen, kind of like stirring up dust everywhere they go. Like that's the kind of attitude. Like that's what like those who have a place of, of leadership in the church, like that's, that's what is involved. One who's stirring up dust, one who's, one who's a servant. Um, you know, we... That's, like I said earlier, people who live this way are the most free and joyful people we know. There's something about just like, man, I can give my all to this. And it's freeing. You know, I, I, can, I can let go of trying to be this and all that. I can, I can give my all. And it's, it's so powerful. Think about like on a, if you've been on a sports team. You know, like the, the guy on your basketball team that's always thinking about his stats and thinking about, like, hey, how am I going to get my numbers? How am I going to get my rebounds, get my points? Like, they don't make a great teammate. But the person who's like, man, I'm going to do whatever I can to help us win, and I just am going to give my all to get in the mix and do whatever needs to be done, like, they make a great teammate. If you're, like, making a meal for somebody, and you're thinking, like, oh, first of all, a lot of us are, like, back to that story, Another thing that Jesus told us, kind of like another line we give is like, well, I don't know if like cooking is my personality. You know, that's not, that's not my spiritual gift. You know, like I, I'm just different, but it's like we, we get so hung up on like that, that's not, oh no, that's not me, that's for somebody else. Dishes, no, that's, that's, that's not for me. But like, no, if you're a servant in a household, it's just like what needs to be done, do it. And when you're just like, when you're making a meal and you're thinking about who am I making this for, and what are they going to like, and what's going to be healthy, then, like, it's just so much better all around for, for everybody. I, I knew a guy who, um, well, I, I knew a guy who knew a guy. Uh, who knew a guy? <laughs> who knew Mike Singletary, who was the Hall of Fame um, linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Matt Riggles is nodding his head because he's from Chicago. He was, he alive? They won the Super Bowl in 85? Not quite, yeah, but you met Mike Singletary, so I do know a guy who knows Mike Singletary, right there. <laughs> so, um, but, but he was Hall of Fame, like one of the best linebackers ever, a legend in Chicago, just super, super tough guy on the field, but a believer. And 
he was part of a church in Chicago, and they um, were like, hey, you know, you gotta, you're so well known in the city, like, we need to use your gifts, you need to get out and like tell your testimony and do some public speaking. And he did it a couple times, and then he came back to them, he's like, you know, I just, I'm willing to do this, but honestly, that's not where my heart is, and I don't really think this is where I serve best. I just, I care about just taking care of stuff. And we got this new building we built. Can I be part of the custodial team? Like, I really feel like that's where I would make a difference. And so he became a custodian for their church. And people would literally come in the bathroom and see Mike Singletary on his knees scrubbing a toilet. And they'd be like, what the heck is going on here? And that impact of his service was, was greater than if he had tried to do what like, they thought, oh, this is what you should do. And so that's, that's what it looks like. Like, where can I just serve and make a difference? And it, it makes such a difference. Um, so this, you know, this isn't about us trying to recruit more volunteers. It's not about, hey, come out on Saturday for our fall work day. You know, be a servant of the Lord. Rake some leaves. Come on, give the Lord a shout. No, it's... It's, it's, it's about this attitude and this identity that God wants to give us every day. And walking in it and just the freedom that God brings as we do that. So, trust God speaking to our hearts and helping us come into that more fully. Um, I want to pray for us. And we are going to worship with one more psalm. So, worship team, you can come on up. Um, let's, let's pray together. Lord, you're the worthy one. You're God. You're our king. You're our master. You're our everything. Lord, thank you for making us to serve you. Thank you for the, the fulfillment. Thank you for the, the ability at the end of a day to, to go, man, that was, a good day's, that was a good day of service. I'm spent, but man, you were worth it, Lord. Lord, we desire to be your servants, to live as your servants. I just trust you, even according to, as you've pricked us and prompted us in your word, Will you enlarge that in our hearts? Will you enlarge that in our thinking? Will you enlarge that in our lives? Will you free us from trying to be God? Will you free us from narcissism and all the places that it plays out in our lives? Will you free us from trying to control things and trying to think we gotta take care of this first? We gotta get this figured out first, but Lord, Thank you that you just put your hand on our shoulder and say, right now, you're my servant. Thank you for that, God. We say you're worthy. We desire to see you served. Lord, we desire to see the world serve you, starting in our own hearts. We praise you. You're worthy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.